You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Victoria Schaefer, aspiring actress, babysitter extraordinaire, college student and animal enthusiast, is on her own for the first time in New York City. Follow Victoria and her two dogs, Rue and Echo, as she cares for her furry friends and juggles home life and career, all the while managing to survive in the world's most hectic city. The exciting animal adventures and secret stories from both ends of the leash that make up the Tales of the City. Hey guys, it's Victoria Schaefer, your host of Tales of the City on Pet Life Radio. I am so excited to speak to Beth Ostrowski-Stern, television personality, author, model, actress, animal rescue enthusiast, and wife of radio personality Howard Stern. Beth is certainly one of my top role models as someone who uses her celebrity to help animals to the fullest. She is actively involved in rescuing animals both domestic and wild. I hope one day I can do the same. So stick around because after this commercial break, I'll be asking Beth about her experiences rescuing animals, what it was like to write a book, and about her animals at home. Stay tuned. Sit and stay. Tales of the City will be right back in two shakes of a, well, tail. Petco, where the pets go. Petco, where the pets go. Pet Life Radio has tail wagging, fur flying, fabulous deals for our listeners from Petco. Get $6 off your order of $60 or more and up to 40% off the entire Petco site. That's right. But that's not all. Because you're a Pet Life Radio listener, you'll also get free shipping on your order of $49 or more. $6 off, up to 40% off, and free shipping from Pet Life Radio and Petco. To get these awesome deals, go to PetcoDeals.com. That's PetcoDeals.com. Petco, where the pets go. Love My Pets, the new single by Mark Winter, available on iTunes. Hi, I'm Dr. Robin Gansert, President and CEO of American Humane Association, the country's first national humane organization, here to tell you about our new show, Be Humane, on Pet Life Radio. Each week, we'll be bringing you the latest news and issues affecting our animal friends, and we'll also be bringing you interviews with Hollywood's biggest animal advocates, here to share tales about their pets and what they're doing to promote a more humane world. Our own highly experienced staff and friends the organization will also join us each week to share what they're up to in the animal world. I hope you'll stop by. Until then, let's always remember to be humane. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Pet <laughs> Welcome back to Tales of the City. I'm your host, Victoria Schaefer. We're here with Beth Ostrowski-Stern, animal rescue enthusiast. Hi, Beth. Hi. I'm really looking forward to speaking with you, and I think that's so great that you're doing this, and congratulations on your show. Thank you. All right, so we'll get right into it then. 
I guess I should begin with the most obvious question, which is, have you always loved animals and where did your desire to rescue animals begin? Oh, that's so funny. I think, honestly, that it's in my blood. And anybody that comes from an animal-loving family can completely understand what I'm saying. When I was born, my parents already had a collie mix, a mutt that they had rescued. So she was my, you know, first introduction to an animal. And it was ever since I was a baby, a little baby. And since we had Susie Dog, she was a big collie. We've had cats growing up, always rescues from our local shelter, and guinea pigs that were our neighbors and didn't want anymore, so we ended up adopting them. And then we wow. had little chickens at one point and somebody <laughs> didn't want anymore. So they were always people's secondhand um, scraps that we ended up falling in love with, and we thought that's the only way to go. You know, when you rescue an animal, it's just you're saving a life, and they're so appreciative, and they become the most incredible pets ever. Definitely. I totally agree. They know that you've saved them. They do. The way that they look at you, it's just like, they know. They just know. Yeah. And I know you're involved in a few organizations. So what organizations are you primarily involved with currently? The the one that's the most near and dear to my heart is the North Shore Animal League America, which is the world's largest no-kill rescue and adoption organization in the world. We do over 20,000 adoptions a year. Over 1 million animals have been adopted to date. And we just, what we do, our headquarters are in Port Washington on Long Island, but we have um, partner shelters all over the United States, even in Beijing, China, um, all over the world pretty much. And we partner with them and we hold adoption events and we help municipal shelters, which unfortunately aren't in the, you know, as lucky as we are, where we are able to be a no-kill, which I think is a really important thing, a no-kill shelter. So we help those less fortunate shelters and we join forces and we just hold all these adoption events and get so many lives saved. And then the other organization I work with is the Wildlife Rescue Center of the Hamptons. I, I just love all animals. And I feel that just protecting the, the animals that are among us is so important. And so I took the course to transport a hurt animal to their facility. So I am on call and occasionally I get a call from wow. the Hamptons Wildlife Rescue Center that there's a seagull with fishing wire tangled in a yard and I have my big kit and I take it over and Howard's my driver my husband Howard <laughs> and um, we've saved some animals that way we've rescued some animals so it's really I feel it's my life's mission it's my joy it's my bliss it's my everything it's what I was put on this earth to do so and makes me very very happy that's so inspiring so have you kind of recruited Howard into the mission as well of rescuing animals or has he always liked animals as well Well, Howard is a huge animal lover. I don't think I would be with him, let alone married to him, if he weren't. (laughs) That was one of the things that I just adored right away was his love for animals. But I think when I came into the picture, it just kind of magnified because I do foster work. So if I'm doing foster work in the house... That means he's a part of it because he lives here too. And over the past year, we've fostered, I think we're close to 60 kittens, um, special needs adult cats and kittens since last June when our precious dog Bianca passed away two summers ago. I just realized I need to, before we adopt a dog, I need to just really help out cats. I feel that the world needs help. The cats need the help. And so um, we decided to start fostering and bring awareness to kitties and 
how great of pets they are. And right now we have six cats of our own, and Howard is right there with me. And we also just picked up five three-week-old kittens that we're fostering for the next several weeks until I can get them spayed and neutered. And then Howard usually talks about them on the air after he names them. (laughs) And I get applications pouring in and I sit with the people from North Shore Animal League and we figure out the best match for my babies. And then I personally deliver the kittens to the new families. Wow. Uh, But Howard's right there with me, not delivering, but helping me socialize and pretty much doing everything I do, except Howard does not do litter boxes. That's the only (laughs) thing he won't do. (laughs) I don't blame him. So you work with both wildlife and domestic animals. What do you think that the key difference between the two are? Like, how does the difference in rescuing these two different types of animals? Well, even when you're rescuing a litter of kittens or a feral cat, you have to be very, very careful. I don't, when you're out in the wild and you're outside and you're rescuing a dog or a cat, you have to be just as careful as you are with the wild animals. But when I have the kittens, dogs or kittens that I'm fostering in my home, you can give them names because they're going to end up in people's homes. When you rescue an animal, wildlife, we're told not to name them because we really want to rehabilitate them to release them back into the wild where they belong. And I feel like people don't necessarily know about wildlife rescue as much as they do about cat and dog rescue. So what would you say are the main animals that you're rescuing? Is it mainly birds or are there other animals? Well, it it definitely depends on where you live. And in the case out in the Hamptons out east, it's a lot of birds, squirrels, there are chipmunks. So I haven't saved all of these, but these are the animals that come in the rescue center. Deer, a lot of deer get hit by cars and then they run off and then they find a place to suffer. And so occasionally you find a hurt deer. And what people don't realize is all they need to do is go online and find the local wildlife rescue of the area in which they live and give them a call. In the case of the Hamptons, it's so wonderful. There's a number that you call. Their transport system calls the volunteers, which I'm one of them, and we rush to the animal. I mean, mind you, we cannot take a deer, and Howard can't put a deer on top of his car (laughs) for him to safety, but they have the facilities, they have the vans, and they respond immediately, and it's it's so beautiful when a hurt or sick animal comes in, they're able to be rehabilitated, and then the feeling is just so incredible, such an incredible joy when you're able to release them back into the wild. So when you see a hurt possum on the side of the road, or sometimes if you see a unfortunately a dead mother possum on the side of the road there's a really good chance that in her pouch there are live babies so that's something that people don't realize if they see a dead possum go over to it or have someone that's not afraid of it you know take a look Mm -hmm. inside her pouch and call rescue or put them in a little cardboard box and take them to the nearest um, rehabilitation center they are around you just have to look them up and find them wow so can untrained volunteers contribute to wildlife rescue or what's the process like to volunteer at a wildlife rescue as opposed to a domestic Well, they always need towels and blankets and gloves, any of those items that you have lying around your house that you don't need anymore. They're always, you know, they'll love those kind of donations. Monetary donations, I mean, money is key for their their survival to keep it going when they have veterinarians that are coming by for special cases. The medication, the instruments that they use, it's all very, very expensive. So for somebody that's not trained, 
and would like to get trained, there are courses available. Look into it. But if you can't do that and you do want to help the wildlife, just spread the word. Tell people if they see a hurt animal on the side of the road or in their yard to not just let them lie there and suffer. There is help and there are people that will come and, and help them. So just spreading the word that there are rehabilitations out there. Yeah, great advice because I feel like a lot of people don't realize what to do if they see an animal on the side of the road. I hear it all the time. They're like, it's so heartbreaking. There was a squirrel that was in my yard and he, or a baby bunny that was run over by the lawnmower. And he was oh so God. sad to watch him die. I'm like, you, he doesn't have to die. Or a turtle crossing when somebody stepped on a turtle or rode their bike over a turtle and they cracked its shell. Those are the type of animals that come in. And it's so cute. They, they can tape the shells of the turtles. And after a while, the shell gets molded back together. It's amazing wow. how nature takes care of itself. And they can really release these turtles back into the wild. So it's really um, important to just tell people to not ignore a hurt or sick animal. Yeah. And do you find that there's ever a wildlife animal that is hurt or sick that is rescued? And do you think that they could live in a domestic way after that? Or do you really encourage well, them what to what happens be? in the case of, I think it was uh, a hawk that was badly hurt a couple years ago at Wildlife Rescue. They brought it into the facility and they realized he had a broken wing and there was so much damage to his wing that he was, he was never going to be able to fly again. So in that case, they use this particular bird for educational purposes. And they keep the bird in a facility and if there are ever events or educational seminars, they use this bird to spread the word about rehabilitating an animal and even teaching people about what's happening and with the animals that are indigenous to the environment, which is so incredibly awesome for kids to be that close to a creature like that. So this could be a difficult question, or you might know okay. it right, off, right away, but what is your most memorable rescue or adoption story? Can you pick wow. one? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to just tell you my every one of them is so near and dear to my heart, but there are two that are just sticking, just have been so recent. And one was there was a blind cat walking around a junkyard last year and she was pregnant and she was brought to a local municipal shelter and she was slated to be euthanized. And I got word with North Shore Animal League that in this other shelter, there was a blind pregnant cat that they were about to put down. And I just looked at my friend Joanne from North Shore and I said, let's save this cat and her kittens. So we picked up this blind cat. She gave birth to her beautiful kittens. She was a great mother. We ended up finding wonderful homes for all of her kittens. And then I had her go to an eye specialist doctor at Long Island, vet specialist, and he removed one of her eyes that was causing her pain. And it looked like somebody had abused her when she was a kitten. So it was really sad that that she was, and I couldn't even believe how trusting and loving this cat was. And they sensed that they could see a little bit of shadow out of, she could see shadows out of her existing eyes. So they decided oh, wow. to keep that in. So I was accepting applications after Howard spoke about her on the air for um, people to adopt her. The applications are coming in. And then it was funny one night, Howard and I were having dinner and he said, who are the top families that you're looking at for sweet Bella? We, we named her Bella. And meanwhile, she's all over our house. She learned our house. She's friends with all four of my other cats. And Howard looked at me and he goes, where are the applications? And I said, they're in a drawer. And he goes, she's not going anywhere. And I said, no, she's not. <laughs> so we toasted to Bella and he said, welcome to the family. So we have oh, blind Bella. Nice. And then I picked up another adult special needs cat named Yoda at North Shore Animal League. And we brought him home and I knew that he had a heart condition. Well, I took him to some other for second and third opinions. And he only has three to six months to live. 
love. And so we ended up adopting Yoda last week. So those oh are my, my two, my special needs babies rescues. But even the seagull with the fishing wire last summer that I rescued from our lawn, took him, transported him to wildlife rescue. And then I guess it was like five weeks later, Howard and I picked him up and I was able to release him where I found him. And he was soaring over the ocean and we have video of it. And every time wow. I, I watch the video, it's magical. So every one of them is special to me, but these, I guess those are the, my most recent ones. Yeah, it does that happen to you a lot where you just want to keep the animal because you get so yeah you should see these five kittens that are in my (laughs) at my feet right now they are delicious and thank god i already (laughs) have applications in and i'm assigning the kittens to the families because the next five weeks i'm going to get so attached to them (laughs) and howard and i both cry like babies when we have to say goodbye but at the end of the day it's really worth it because these kittens would have been euthanized had we not brought them home yeah definitely so you obviously have a ton of experience with adoption both personally and adopting animals out Can you educate our listeners a little on what it's like and the work that goes into adopting an animal? Like, what are some of the calling challenges? You know what? It's very easy. You go to your local shelter and you spend time with the animals and you see who's a good fit for you. And you go through the adoption process. You bring the animal home. Now, if you adopt a puppy, you know, there's work involved. You have to train a puppy, but that's also very bonding and and beautiful. And then what I tell people, what you should really look at first are the adult dogs or even some older dogs because they're usually already trained. They sleep through the night. They're up to date. Most of them are up to date on their vaccinations. And they're really, they come from circumstances where the families or their owners have passed away or the owners had to move or a child was allergic. So Mm -hmm. they really come as perfect pets. And I always encourage people to check out the adult or the older ones at the local shelter, which every shelter has. And then if you (laughs) want to have some fun, get two little kittens. I always say instead of just adopting one kitten, adopt two two, because what's one more poop in a litter box to clean out a day? It's really, and they have each other when you go away for the day or if you have to work. So it's all is such a wonderful experience and anybody that's ever adopted an animal has never regretted it only brings complete joy and bliss into your homes and for your family and for children so you're a huge animal lover obviously and And the two thing I got a puppy six months after I got my first puppy so I was like I need another one they need to keep each other company I know see it's true and they thrive when they have a little buddy and um, I I find that having two of any animal makes it easier on me because they have each other yeah definitely I don't have to do as much entertaining because they entertain each other (laughs) that's true and then another thing when you adopt an animal just the feeling that you should have of just what you're doing out there and it's the fact that you're saving two lives you're saving the life of the animal that you're adopting and you're opening you're freeing space for another animal to come in so you're saving lives when you're adopting yeah and what are some common challenges that you find rescued or adopted animals have to overcome Mine have been really, they moved right on in and like the whole scene. <laughs> it's been really easy. As far as my blind cat, it was challenging for her in that she had to learn her way around our big house. She never missed her litter box, though, so which was really great. So with cats, it's a more of a slower process to introduce mm-hmm. each other, but I really lucked out that all of, you know what, I've been saying five cats. I have six cats now that we adopted <laughs> Yoda. 
six cats plus the five fosters. I have 11 of cats running around my house right now. Wow. Um, but yeah, you can't just expect when you bring an animal into your life, it's, oh, great, welcome. It's like you yeah. have to put the time in and form the bond. And you and it's so beneficial to the dog or the cat and the, and the individual and to the family. It's really, it's such a rewarding, wonderful experience. Definitely. So I have your book called Oh My Dog, which you wrote in 2010. Yeah. Right. And it gives all sorts of advice on how to care for an animal. And I just want to know what inspired you to undertake such a huge project. Oh my gosh, was it ever huge? It was two years. It was definitely a labor of love. And because I I work and I volunteer at the North Shore Animal League, people became aware of my love and, you know, work with animals. And so people would constantly stop me wherever I was, on the street, out to dinner, and show me pictures of their pet, which I love. But then they'd also ask me questions about what should I do when? How do I know this? How do I introduce a dog? What do I do? I mean, all these questions. And quite frankly, I told them, I'm not an expert, but I love them. And this is my opinion. So what I decided to do is I have access to all of the greats. I know Oprah Winfrey's dog trainer. I know (laughs) one of the best behaviorists in the world from North Shore Animal League. I know this expert groomer. I know the best veterinarians, behaviorists, nutritionists, everybody animal related. So what I did was I put all the questions I've ever been asked on a piece of paper. I came up with a gazillion more questions and I interviewed all of my experts and I compiled all of the information into a 500-page manual, which is on my dog. And it's from the beginning when you're thinking about getting a dog to the very, very end of the dog's life because it is, it's a commitment. Once you adopt an animal, once they come into your life, you are committed from the beginning to their very end. So that was why I did it. And I feel that it's great. Every day people come up to me and thank me for it. I just feel it's just a really good tool to have. I wouldn't sit there and read it in one, one day. I would use it as a reference. And I've actually gone to it when I've forgotten <laughs> some of the, the information and referred to it. And it's been very, very helpful. Yeah, I think it's so unique that it's not just a puppy manual, but it's really a guide to how to own a dog throughout all the stages. And I feel like that's kind of an issue for some dog owners, because at least with me, I'm finding Actually, I'm having some issues as my dogs get older. My dog Echo, that's an Australian Shepherd mix, he's getting smarter and he's getting into more trouble opening doors yeah, right? and stuff like yeah, that. It's true. It's true. Oh, good. I love that you feel that way. Thank you so much. Yes, definitely. So did you find it difficult to be all-inclusive and comprehensive to just the average dog owner who doesn't know as much? You know what? No, I just took it as I'm going to just go from simple to more, you know, in-depth information and just go from there. And it's funny, after the book was finished, I was like, oh, I forgot to put that. But I guess there's always that going to be. There's always something new to learn. But there was one part of the book that I thought was really beneficial. It's just how to read the back of a dog food bag. You go to the pet store and there's a million dog foods and some are cheaper than others. And then you're like, why is this one so expensive? Because it's a fancy bag. Well, you have to really just look at the ingredients and see a lot of dog foods are just made of fillers when it's a 
made of corn husks and it's like, you know what? No, I want protein to be the number one that my dog's eating because you are what you eat. And if you're careful what you put in your body, I look at my pets as my members of my family. I care about what I put into their body to keep them healthy. And I want them to live a long life because I need them around. I need them to be Definitely. And people always think that pet food's so expensive. But when you think about it, that's the only thing they're eating. Yeah. You're not buying them a fancy steak or anything like that. So I actually just found out I've been through 11 dog foods with my dog Echo because he has a lot of allergies. Allergies. Yeah. And I found out that if you buy a bag of food at Petco and you don't use more than a third of it, you can return it for a full refund if your dog has allergy issues. That I didn't know, and that is such a great message to tell people. That's great. I'm so glad you told me that. I did not know that either, but I was like in the aisle. I must have spent like an hour there reading all of them. And finally, one of the employees realized I had been there for so long, and I'm like, this is our 11th food. I'm struggling. I can't give him all these fillers. Like, the corn fillers, he just has energy spikes, and then he crashes. So Yeah, but because that's what it is. It's like when we eat a bagel. It's like just filler. It's just like you get right. the carbs, and then you get, you're get you exhausted, and there's no protein in there. There's nothing to sustain a, a healthy dog in a right. food with just fillers. So and sometimes if there are, you know, sometimes people are like, but that's all I can afford. And if that's the case, I would recommend when you have make dinner and you, if you have leftover chicken or any protein that you're having for dinner, rinse it off completely, get all the sauces and all the salt and any kind of, you know, any seasoning off of your protein and add it to their kibble, which I used to do in addition to having that, the really healthy food, I would always add another source of protein to my dog's food. Yeah, and they'll love that. (laughs) Yeah, of course. They'll love it. So I don't know as much about cats. So do you think you're going to be planning on writing maybe a guide for cats? owners? I know oh, oh my cat. Yeah, oh my Everybody's cat. been asking me that. There is a book out there that I refer to that I think is pretty great. It's called The Cat Bible, and I use it as a reference all the time. But there have been a couple things that I've tried to look up, and they weren't included. But as a whole, I think she, the woman covered most of my questions. So I, maybe there is room for another cat book down the road for me to write. But, but right now, I'm busy fostering and yeah. just, you know, with my time hands-on with the animals and I'm just too busy to to write another two-year commitment for a book. Definitely. So before I say thank you and goodbye, I just want to congratulate you on getting, what, 2,000 animals adopted with the North Shore Animal League for Life tour? Is that right? Oh, our tour for life. We went to 53 cities. I personally didn't go, but our mobile units went held these adoption events. I got to go to a couple of the cities and be there for the celebration and watch some of the adoptions happen. But over 2,000 adoptions over the past two months, it's was pretty great. I mean, that is when at the end of the day where I'm like, wow, the North Shore Animal League, what they do, their mission, it's everything to me. And I'm just really proud to be a part of it. I'm right now raising money to expand North Shore Animal League's facilities. It's 15,000 square feet right now. I'm raising money to build a 15,000 square feet on top of it called Bianca's Furry Friends in honor oh, of my nice. bulldog who passed away. And it's going to so be nice. a cage-free habitat for cats, and it's going to free up more rescue space for dogs downstairs. So we're projecting to break ground next spring. So we're really excited about that, too. And where can people donate if they're interested? 
They can go online to North Shore Animal League's website, and there's a special section where everything best, and then it goes to Bianca's Furry Friends expansion. And it's probably a lot easier than that even. I'm sure it's real <laughs> easy to find. It's Bianca's Great. Furry Friends. Thank you so much. Really inspiring. I hope I can do as much work as you do in the future. Thank you. And good luck with your show. And uh, truly, it was an honor that you thought of me. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Good luck with all the cats. (laughs) Thank you. They're crawling on me now. All right. Take care. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye. Before I say goodbye, I would like to let everyone know that the cutest puppy named Flash is waiting for his forever home at the Bully Project here in New York City. Flash is a four-month-old white pit bull mix with large ears that stick straight up like my dog Rue and the cutest black and pink nose. He is the perfect animal to feature who is waiting for his forever home since Beth is so passionate about special needs rescue. Flash is deaf, but that hasn't stopped him from being any less affectionate or well-trained. He has been working hard with the trainers at the School for the Dogs. If anything, his loss of hearing makes him a quieter dog who doesn't bark like crazy when the door knocks, and sleeps soundly through the night without any noise disruptions. If you're interested in adopting Flash and would like to know more about him, email bullyprojectnyc at gmail.com. You won't regret it. I so wish I could just adopt him myself, and I'm sure Beth would too. So remember, if you're interested in donating to the North Shore Animal League to help them expand their facilities, visit their website, www.animalleague.org. I want to thank Beth Ostrowski-Stern for such an inspiring interview, and thank you all for listening. Catch me next time when I tell you another fun and exciting tale of the city. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.